You are Locked On Mets, your daily New York Mets podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hello to all you amazing Mets fans. You're listening to Locked On Mets, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Thank you for making Locked On Mets your first listen every day. Locked On Mets, free and available on all platforms, including YouTube. Well, the Mets had two opportunities with the bases loaded late. Starling Marte came up in both of them. And he dropped the ball in both of them. Marte's struggles this year have been a huge reason for the Mets. Uh, you know, Complete disaster of a season. I'll be discussing that throughout the show today. In the first segment, we'll recap the game and those you know, specific at-bats for Marte. Second segment, I'll really dive deep into his season. And then in the final segment, we're going to preview what lies ahead. J.D. Davis, has he become uh, the Giants version of Justin Turner? Well, we'll go through it. Before we get to any of it, I'm your host, Ryan Finkelstein. If you want to find any of my work, follow me on Twitter at FinkelsteinRyan. You can also find some of my writing at JustBaseball.com, where I work as a managing editor. Now, we already knew the Mets would not win a series this month as they lost you know, two of the first three games in this series, ensuring that the best they could do was get a split. But you look at the entire month, there was only one series the Mets didn't lose a two-game set against the New York Yankees. It's the only series this month they did not lose. They've been awful. What is it, 16 of the last 24 games they've lost? This has been one of the worst months in Mets franchise history. It's just been awful. And what's more frustrating than anything is the last two games – all it would have taken was a little more offense. A couple things to go the Mets' way. And they could have won them. And they could have won a series. And they could have tried to build some momentum. When you look at the direction that, that the Mets are going, if you didn't listen to yesterday's show on Steve Cohen's press conference, I do encourage you to do so because it really does give you a full scope of everything going on with this franchise right now, this season, and how things can really end up breaking throughout this year and then in the future. And the fact that they are very close to being an extraordinarily fascinating seller. And we'll be covering that over the next month if that continues to prove to be a reality. But you know this team and this owner does not want to sell. And all he's looking for is a glimmer of hope for the Mets to get within five games of a wild card chase to at least stand pat, if not even maybe stupid enough to add. Okay? And they can't win baseball games. And this one on Thursday, you know, you had the right guy on the mound, Max Scherzer. You got a little bit of run support for him, third inning, back-to-back homers, Beatty and Nimmo. And Nimmo, by the way, he deserves a lot of credit. He's putting together a fantastic first season on that contract. Might have been the best deal the Mets signed this offseason, quite honestly. He has been spectacular. And if this team was doing better. Today's show would be about him being awesome instead of Stalin Marte being horrible. But based on the context of the game and the season, I chose to go the Starling Marte route. We'll be talking about him at length in the next segment here. But you get some home runs. 
And Scherzer looked good. I mean, yes, he gave up seven hits. But it was really only one inning where he gives up some runs. That sixth inning, his last inning of work. He gives up a home run. If he doesn't give up a home run, hey, things are different. He had nine strikeouts in this one. It was a good start, not a great start. And the Mets needed greatness. They needed seven shutout, or they at least needed six. And they didn't get it. And and really, that's it. That that's that's ball game because the offense couldn't put up anything. They they could not score beyond that third inning where they got a home run from Brett Beatty and one from Nimmo, who's at eleven on the year, by the way, and might hit twenty home runs for I think the first time of his career, if I'm not mistaken. He's trending in that direction, which is pretty awesome to see. But yeah, it's also Victor Carantini that hits the home run, by the way, for the Brewers, which is just ridiculous. Um, I wanted to see what Carantini's done this year. He does have four home runs and 717 OPS, but uh, not a guy you typically fear with the home run ball too much. So it is what it is, man. It's one of those seasons. Scherzer's been killed by the home run ball. That one gets him. Um, seventh inning, you go to TJ McFarland. Uh, and look, I'm not even going to criticize the bullpen management. I'm not going to do that, but it says a lot when you have to go to TJ McFarlane and when he doesn't get the job done, you go to Dominic Leone, <laughs> you know, it says all you need to know. Right. And th- that combination gives up a run. You get to the eighth inning and, you know, suddenly it's Drew Smith pitching and you see David Robertson in this game. But at that point, the game was lost. And, you look at some of the things that happened late, and I think there's one clear managerial decision that I still like to talk about. It's getting a lot of traction on social media, particularly a tweet that I sent out. Um, eighth in or seventh in, excuse me. Mark Canna gets a hit. Uh, Francisco Alvarez flies out, and Brett Beatty spot comes up. Now, it is a side-tossing lefty, and Hobie Mil- Milner, but um, Hobie Milner, but the Mets go Danny Mendick over Brett Beatty in that spot. I'm p- looking at my phone here to find uh, the stats that I tweeted out. Triple A this year. I- I've spoken about this before. Reverse splits for Mendick um, when the Mets promoted him. He had a 6.56 OPS against left-handed pitching. I think it was in the mid to high 700s against righties. Um, Brett Beatty this year has a sub-700 OPS against righties and a 742 OPS against lefties at the big league level. For whatever it's worth, he has seen left-handed pitching better than righties. And yet, he gets pinch hit for in these spots. And with Danny Mendick, it doesn't make sense to me. If you were to tell me that you're at a point in your season where you're, you're fighting for your life and you have Eduardo Escobar, at least I could stomach that one. A guy that has you know traditional splits, where he's a switch hitter who f- swings it better from the right side, fine. But Danny Mendick, who granted was great against lefties last season with the White Sox, but this year has not shown that ability, who's still not even proven he's like a bona fide major league bat even, right? He's kind of a 4A player, guy that goes up and down. You're going to him instead of the, the kid that hit a home run earlier in the game? And it comes back to bite you because then – you turn back around later in the ninth inning, and who's got to take a crucial at bat against Devin Williams? Louis Guillorme. To pitch hit for Danny Mendick, who would have been lost in that matchup. 
I almost forgot about it. And so that inning starts off in the ninth. You have Mark Canna draws a walk with one out because Jeff McNeil flew out to start things off. Francisco Alvarez gets a sharp single. You're like, all right, Beatty's up. And then you remember, oh, no, it's not. It's Mendick. And then, oh, here comes Giorma, and he grounds out. And Brandon Nimmo is the guy that the Brewers didn't want to face. And they you know, pitched around him. And, I mean, literally, I'm looking at the pitch chart. They did not throw him a single pitch in the zone. And they got one called strike on one that was definitely inside. Bad call. Nemo swung it one. He fouled one off with, with the full count. And he drew a walk. And that led to the bases loaded with Starling Marte. And that's the other guy to look at here. Because he had two bases loaded opportunities. He had one uh, for the Mets in the seventh inning. After the Mendick situation. Uh, so Mendick came up. You had Canna on. He hits one. It's an error by Brian Anderson. Yes, he got on base, but it was an error. Cannon goes to third. Brandon Nimmo falls behind an account, gets hit by a pitch, loads the bases with one out. The only thing you can't have is a ground ball. You're in that spot, losing by a run. You just need a fly ball. Starling Marte hits into a double play ball. And then the ninth inning, when he's in that opportunity again, it's about as bad and at bad as you can see. First pitch, change up, way out of the zone, swings right through it. Second pitch, change up in the zone, fouls it off. Third pitch, change up, way out of the zone, swings through it. Three swings, three strikes, out, end of the ball game. His regression has been a microcosm of this season. It just has been. Stalin Marte is hitting 253 this year. He's a 634 OPS. Next segment, I'm going to talk about it. If I can pinpoint why he's been so bad and what the Mets do with him moving forward. Before we get to that, though, today's episode is brought to you by FanDuel. Take your first swing at betting MLB on FanDuel and get 10 times your first bet amount in bonus bets up to $200. That's right. Just bet 20 bucks and you'll land $200 in bonus bets, win or lose. That's 200 you can spend betting on everything from the money line to the over-under to who you think is going to hit that first home run of the game. You can also bet first fives. You can bet strikeouts. You can do a same-game parlay where maybe you say, look, Justin Verlander is going to strike out over five and a half, and I believe that you know Francisco Lindor might get over one and a half bases, and uh, the Mets might win one. And you put it all together, and you get some crazy odds for it, and you Take a small bet and cash out big time. All of this on an app that's safe, secure, and super easy to use. Plus, when you win, you can get paid instantly. There's no better place to bet on MLB than FanDuel, America's number one sports book. So sign up today and visit FanDuel.com slash locked on to get up to $200 in bonus bets. That's FanDuel.com slash locked on. FanDuel, an official partner of Major League Baseball. The New York Mets play the San Francisco Giants at 7:10 Eastern Time tonight. Catch every pitch. Mets hometown broadcast with Sirius XM on the SXM app. Just search Mets. Looking at Starling Marte's numbers this season, it is kind of puzzling that he has been as bad as he has. Uh, there's not a lot that's drastic 
know, when you see a guy struggling to this extent on the statistical level, and we'll go through that right now. You know, last year, you look at what Starling Marte did in an all-star season for the Mets, and he was fantastic. He hit 292, 347 on base, 468 slug, 136 weighted runs created plus. Again, that measures hitters based on a league average of 100. So a 136 WRC plus means he was 36 bet, 36 points better than your league average hitter. Uh, you look at 16 home runs, okay? He scored 76. He drove in 63. He swiped 18 bases. And that's one department he's improved this year with the new stolen base rules. He's at 21 stolen bases. But he's hitting 254, 307 on base, 331 slug. So you see a 40-point dip about in the batting average, which coincides with the on-base percentage. And the slug has dipped 130 points, actually more than that. He has just four home runs through 74 games. Last year was the 16 and 118. And you look at the doubles last year, 24 doubles, five triples. This year, seven doubles, one triple. And you're only working with a sample size that's, you know, it's less than 200 plate appearance difference now. It's 466. Actually, it was 505 at, at bat or plate appearance, excuse me, 466 at bats. This year, he's at 295 plate appearances, 272 at bats. Bottom line, he is, you know, 210 plate appearances away with less than a third of the amount of extra base hits as he had last season. I mean, significantly less. So that's it for him. He has not hit for extra bases. And I look at the numbers on him and it doesn't entirely make sense. I mean, the max exit velocity is down, right? But that's, that doesn't tell the full story, right? Like how hard is he hitting the baseball? Yes. Last year he hit one, 113.3 miles per hour this year, 110.9, but that doesn't tell you, Oh, that's definitely why he's struggling. You have to look at average exit velocity. His average exit velocity is up. You look at his hard hit percentage. It's up. You look at his expected batting average. Last year, 276. This year, his expected batting average, 273. His expected slug last year was 428. This year, 417. Something's not adding up. The barrel percentage, not drastically different. You look at each individual pitch, like, is he struggling on fastballs significantly more? Yes, a little bit. Last year, he hit 329 against fastballs. This year, it's 278. But that's not a drastic shift. Here's one. He's whiffing on breaking pitches nearly 40% of the time. Last year, that was 27.8% of the time. And he's chasing more. So, so that's part of it. But the biggest thing I actually think is the speed. His sprint speed is down this year. He's not getting out of the box quick. He's struggling in the outfield, too. He is in the third percentile, now it's above average. It means he is among the worst fielders in baseball this year. And the eye test doesn't always really back that up, but there's probably balls that he's not getting to that we're not really realizing. His jumps have been terrible compared to last year where he was better. I, I don't know if he's hurt. It certainly looks like it. And if that's the case and he's playing through an injury, get him out of there because guess what? Mark Canna does not look hurt. Mark Canna... I, I think he'd give you some better at-bats with consistent playing time. And Tommy Pham surely has earned that everyday role that he's now uh, entrenched in. And, and for, for what it's worth, you could absolutely you know, put Marte on the IL, shift Jeff McNeil into the outfield, and play Ron and Mauricio if you really wanted to. But at this point, they're not doing that. And... 
You know, it's one of those things where maybe he's playing through something. Um, but, you know, you can't tell him not to and he's a guy that's on a contract. And I, I don't know. Here's one other thing. Can you get him out of the two-hole? I, I That, for me, is pretty clear-cut. Uh, this year, batting second, he's hitting 217, 284 on base, 286 slug. In the five-hole, he's batting 308. It's 308 on base, 308 slug. It's all singles, but it's still better. And in the six hole, it's in 299, 340 on base, 392 slug. None of the numbers are good. His one game, maybe it was in the seven hole, he's hitting a thousand. Um, I don't know if that was a pinch hitting opportunity or what that was. Uh, let's see. Yeah, it was a pinch hitting. So he, he got a double in a pinch hit spot in the seven hole at some point. But again, Hitting low in the lineup was treating him a little bit kinder, and you don't have him in those spots like he was tonight, front and center, where you couldn't get to Lindor or Alonzo because there he is. And, and I get it. Jeff McNeil struggling too. How do you construct this lineup? If anything, just go Nimmo, Lindor, Alonzo, or really change it up. Maybe you bat Lindor leadoff and you, you go. Honestly, it wouldn't even be crazy to me to go Lindor, Alonzo, Nimmo. Like that wouldn't even be shocking. I know they pay Nimmo to be the leadoff man, but there is part of me that says like Nimmo's the only guy hitting and maybe he's the one guy that can back up uh, Lonzo. Tommy Pham too. Tommy Pham is insurance for Lonzo is fine, but maybe that's it. Maybe, maybe it's Nimmo, Lindor, Alonzo Pham. And you just banish McNeil and Marte lower into the lineup because that's where their play warrants. But you look at this season and you look at the, the guys that haven't shown up on contracts, man, Star Martez on the top of the list. And I do wonder if there would be a market for him at the trade deadline. Uh, not because he's been good this year, but because he has a track record. And it, are there a couple teams out there that if you ate the salary, they'd be interested in the main one that I look at is the Marlins. That's a team that traded for Star Marte once and he was exceptional at getting to the playoffs. I think I did mention this on yesterday's show as well. But, like, would you get to a point where you take bad money for bad money? W- what if you could get off the Marte contract entirely for Avi Sel Garcia? As bad as that would be to acquire him. I mean, he's a guy that's hurt. Um, but you, you would basically take on Garcia to essentially understand that you're going to swallow the contract. But it's, it's, a, it's a lesser contract to swallow and you get Marte off the books. I just, I'm, it's crazy because you thought Marte was going to be a really good player for you. And I thought this was actually going to be his best season on the contract. So I was absolutely dead wrong on that. But I compared it to Curtis Granderson. I always saw that, that comp. And Granderson's second year with the Mets was his best one, 2015. He was the best position player on that team. If you look at the statistics, he even had as good, if not better numbers in the second half than you had assessments, which is stunning. It really is. And Grandy Man was great in the playoffs as well in his age 34 season. Here's Marte's age 34 season. It's been a disaster. What's it going to look like in age 35 and age 36? I don't know. And I, I Again, the only reason why I mentioned the Mons, I think it's the one team that could talk themselves into it. Uh, but, man, you look at what he is doing right now, he's killing you. And you got to wonder... Is he going to break out of it or is 
this just going to end with a, a, a season where they keep running him out there? Or do they get to a point where they shut him down and he has some type of a surgery that we're not even understanding that he needs at this point and they played the kids at some point this season? Because if that's where you're ultimately going to go, maybe you should just put him on the aisle sooner than later because what we're seeing is just not the same guy. I mean, again, the slug to drop 130 points, that's shocking. One player who is slugging a lot more, though, is J.D. Davis. What's going on there? The Mets are about to see him up close and personal, and I fear a massive series from J.D. Davis and Michael Conforto on this upstart Giants team that's finding a way to be in the mix a lot more than the Mets have, certainly. J.D. Davis, hate to say it, he's been the best third baseman in the National League this year. We'll talk about it next. Quick, another word from our sponsors. The New York Mets played J.D. Davis and the San Francisco Giants on Friday night. Catch every pitch in the Mets hometown broadcast, Sirius XM on the SXM app. Just search Mets. Looking at J.D. Davis's stats, um, last year with the New York Mets, Davis hit 238, 324 on base, 359 slug. In 49 games with the Giants after trading him, uh, for Darren Ruff, and the Mets sent three pitching prospects with him to get Darren Ruff. He had 263, 361 on base, 496 slug, had eight home runs in 49 games, put up a 142 weighted runs creative plus, meaning he was 42% better than your league average hitter. This season, J.D. Davis hit in 289, 367 on base, 467 slug, 10 home runs, 44 RBIs, 130 WRC plus playing every day for that Giants team. And here is the maddening statistic for me. I watched every game of J.D. Davis career with the Mets. He was, from my eye test, the worst third baseman I've ever seen. Awful. And the stats backed it up. He was just simply atrocious defensively. You look at Defensive run saved in a Mets uniform at third base. Minus nine, minus eight, minus eight in a 269 inning sample size in 2020. It was minus nine in a 220 inning sample size. Minus seven last year. Actually, minus seven in 2021. Excuse me. Last year it was minus one. I'm sure it was, uh, yep, minus one for the Mets, zero for the Giants. You look at his outs above average at third base in a Mets uniform. Minus one, minus four, minus three, minus three. Last year, it was actually minus one with the Mets, minus two with the Giants. So, again, not good. This year, he is, based on defensive run save, minus three. But he's plus six outs above average. He's in the 96th percentile in defense and outs above average this year, which is stunning that he's figured that out. He's cut down his strikeout significantly the last two years. It was over 30% this year. It's at 26.4%. He's just been a great player. And you look at National League third baseman, and I can't believe that I, I, I am saying this. And I actually did uh, assign an article to one of our writers at Just Baseball this week on J.D. Davis, um, which is live on the site and how he's been the best third baseman in the National League. 
He's leading the NL among third basemen in average, in on base percentage, in weighted runs created plus, and outside of uh, Candelario for the Nationals in war at two. It's crazy. It's absolutely nuts how good he's been. But Eddie Davis has been awesome, and there's every chance that he has a great series and a revenge one at City Field against this Mets team. Now, also, you have Michael Conforto, who has come on as of late. His overall stats don't jump off the page. They're actually pretty similar to what he did in his last year with the Mets. Um, just a 108 WRC plus compared to a 106 with the Mets. So, you know, just 8% better than league average. But he had a rough first month. Really took him some time to get his feet wet as he was out of baseball for a full season. He's got 12 home runs on the year and 42 runs driven in. So Michael Conforto has been pretty good. I mean, on the Mets, Michael Conforto might be their best outfielder, not named Tommy Pham. Uh, but there you go. The Giants, they are 45 and 36. The Mets have the inverse record, uh, 36 and 45. And you got Carlos Carrasco on the mound, game one, 6.19 year in the season, going up against Alex Cobb, who's been Fantastic for them this year, 3.09 ERA. Uh, then it's Anthony DiScalafani, 4.28 ERA on the year, going up against Justin Verlander, 4.11. Then David Peterson will try to do it again. Um, seven ERA in the season. He cut it by a full run. Um, last start out, the, the Giants have not announced a starter on Sunday. But they're flatly a better baseball team, significantly better. Uh, and... The Mets are rolling out Carrasco and Peterson in this series. So when exactly does this team turn it around? I, I think there's every chance that this is just going to be a horrific season. It already is. Um, and maybe I'm trying to reverse jinx it here. But I don't see how they win a series. They're going to finally win one now. And then after that, they have a day off. And then they go to Arizona and play a great baseball team who's just you know been one of the best stories in the National League this year in direct contrast to the Mets, it, it doesn't seem like there's a point, and you look at what they have leading into this deadline, where they're going to be able to turn around. I mean, they have just the stink off against the Padres after that next weekend. And then they got the, the Dodgers coming out of uh, the All-Star break. So, you know, I, I do see a little bit of an open pathway when you look at the end of the month, but you can't even schedule, uh, you know, plan wins when you have a team as bad as the Mets. So we'll see. We'll see if they can win a series because they haven't won since they swept the Phillies, which was the end of May leading into the first game of June. It's the last time they swept the series. They've just been awful. So let's see them do it. Let's see them with Carlos Carrasco and David Peterson sandwiching Justin Verlander find a way to win a series. And we'll see if they can shock us all and do it two times in a row and have a, a good week of Mets baseball for once. I'm excited we're at the weekend. Uh, I think I will take a full weekend off for all you every day. So you'll, you'll check in on me on Monday. I'll be back with Another episode for you all. So make sure you follow, rate, and review wherever you get your podcast. Follow me on Twitter, Michael Stein Ryan. Follow the show at Locked On Mets. And 
you want to catch every pitch in the Mets hometown broadcast this weekend, you can do so with SiriusXM on the SXM app. Just search Mets.